Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. Welcome to the Go Radio Football Show. It's a Tuesday night. We're here with the Taxi Centre. I'm Mark Guidi and delighted to say on the Go Radio Football Show tonight, joined by the Celtic legend John Hartson and the former Motherwell and Partick Thistle defender Northern Ireland internationalist Stephen Craigan we've got a busy show this evening first of all before we get to the talking points the main headline is Paul Cooney is still under the weather but hopefully he will be back soon we wish and Paul a speedy recovery he should be back in the hot seat tomorrow night all the listeners will be glad to hear that but we have got some big talking points tonight big Midweek cap tomorrow, we've got Rangers away to St Johnson, Celtic at home to St Mirren. Rangers have got an injury crisis, at least five top team players not available for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst's trip to Perth. Celtic looking to get back on the goal trail after drawing a blank in their last two games. And what about VAR? Is it now going to be too expensive to install in Scottish football? Get through to us, give us your thoughts. We're on the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Let's hear from you. Right. Big John, Celtic tomorrow night, top of the table, three points ahead at home to uh, St Mirren. As yeah. I said, a blank in the last two games, John. How important is it for Celtic to get back in the, the goal trail? Well, it's very important that they get back to the goal trail, they get back to winning ways. Um, it was a disappointed disapp- uh, performance, I thought, against against Hibs. I thought they went, you know, but cross field, cross field. I think when Yota comes inside and he... He hits it 20, 30 yards over the bar. I think a barda. And what happens is then Jota will eventually then, Mark, what he'll do is he'll stick three or four over the bar and then eventually he'll pick somebody out. So you keep going with him because he is capable of producing that little bit of magic that will win you a game. Um, Abada's numbers are absolutely fantastic. And I just feel it doesn't really matter how well you've done. You've got to stick at it now. You've, you've got to this level of performance that... The, the, there's no sort of stepping back and this is what Andrew's trying to say to the players look we haven't got no respite we can't afford you know when you think about where Celtic were at the start of the season to have got themselves in this position has been miraculous it really really has um, so now it's just a case of now we've got ourselves here let's keep going you know we can't sit back we can't be dropping points no poor performances and that's what Celtic just have to keep doing. I, I thought they had nothing through the middle at the weekend, absolutely right through the middle. I thought Maeda had a, had a poor game to his standards. Um, they kept the ball, yeah, they kept the ball very well. They made Hibs work. But in terms of efforts on goal, you know, it, it, we expect more from Celtic, even though they were away from home. On that point then, John, because obviously we know Furuhashi isn't available for at least another two weeks, probably longer. We'll hear from Ange Postacoglu later, but Giacomakis might be available tomorrow, but if he is, it'll be at the bench uh, at best. He's definitely not going to start. Mm. It looks as though the only option is to go with Maida again now, as a guy who knew his way to, towards the back of the net. What's your view on Maida? 
I think he started off okay. I think he scored in his in his debut, didn't he? He scored after a couple of minutes uh, on his debut, I believe. Um, I like him. I think he's sharp. He, he darts in behind. He makes really good runs. But ultimately, like I said about Yakamakis a couple of weeks ago, you know, he, he went and won that game for us against Dundee, last minute scoring the hat-trick. As a Celtic centre-forward, you, you've got to stand up. You, you, you've got to be the outstanding player. You've got to be the one that scores the decisive goals or makes goals or goes to the back stick and knocks it back across for somebody else to score. If you're not scoring, you, you, you've got to be assisting type of thing. Um, I really like Maeda. I just think that... Uh, you know, he, he struggled to get, you know, a, a load of goals, if you like. Um, and at the minute with Kyogo out and, and, and obviously Yakamakis out, you know, he, he's literally the only one that Celtic are relying on. So, but I do like him. I think it'll come. But there, there's no bedding in time at the minute. You've, you've really got to get going now and start scoring goals. Across the city, Stephen, Rangers in action tomorrow night away to St. John's and say that a bit of an injury crisis. Diallo, Ramsey, Halander. Your old international teammate Stephen Davis, Ryan Jack, for a variety of reasons, not available tomorrow night. But but if we look at the defence, I mean, a lot of criticism towards Alan McGregor, James Tavernier, and Conor Golson in the back of the two-two against Motherwell on on Sunday. How would you shape up the defence? First of all, do you stick by Alan McGregor? And secondly, who's your central defensive partnership tomorrow night? Well, I think when you look at the Motherwell game, really, you know, I'd, I think by half time they should have been out of sight. You know, they're pointing their finger at VAR, they're pointing the finger at referees and decisions. Rangers should have been out of sight. I think 28 shots on goal and they get, what, two goals out of it. That tells you where they need to improve. Naturally, when you concede two goals uh, on your home patch as an old firm team, you're disappointed. There's some inquiries about it. I think John Lundstrom as a central defender as well is a possibility where you think Leon Balogun should have started. You know, you're playing a player out of position ahead of someone who's played their full career as a centre-half. So... You know, looking back at that, I think Giovanni Van Bronckhorst got lots of plaudits on Thursday night for his tactical change at halftime. I just wondered, did he get a little bit carried away and think John Lundstrom can play there? Because it's two different games. When you play against Dortmund, you're defending your box, you're winning headers, you're winning tackles, you don't have to start play, you're just breaking it up and reading the game and you're not really moving from your slot. Whereas when you play against Motherwell, suddenly you're exposed in a 1v1 situation, you spend more time in the ball, you've got to pick your passes, you've got to be careful. You're the last line of defence. You're not in midfield where you have cover behind you. And when you look at the goal they give away, yeah, it's a shortish pass to Calvin Bassey, but once Kane Willery picked up the ball, there was no recovery. That's not something he's used to because he's always used to having people behind him. So you just wonder, will that be playing in the mind of Giovanni Van Bronckhurst? So I'd imagine Leon Balgun would come in. Uh, what was the other one you mentioned? McGregor, do you stick by him? McGregor, well, I think you do. You know, he's, he's your most experienced player. He's made mistakes. Um, what Giovanni would have to take into consideration is is there someone else better? Does he think that the that John McLaughlin is better than him? Does he think he's better attributes? Does he think Alan McGregor is in the right frame of mind? We don't see them training every single day. Mm-hmm. So we can't really answer those questions. But that's the things that will begin through uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhurst's mind. If he does make the change, I wouldn't say he loses Alan McGregor, but it would certainly be another dent of his confidence in one of his most experienced players and his leaders, which he will need between now and end of the season. But it's strange to hear the Rangers fans being critical of Alan McGregor because they haven't really been over his... Is, is two spells so it's certainly a big call for the manager What do you think you know, John when you've got a goalkeeper behind you like Alan McGregor who's mm. one of the best in the country yeah he's 40 years old now but I don't think age is a, is a concern he's had a couple of ropey moments since yeah. the, the winter break but over the piece do you stand by him because you're 10 games to go 
you know, it's no time. Well, I, I no think time you for do. Experimenting. I think you do, and all right, you might have got a little bit of stick one once or twice this season, only because he set his standards so high. Let's not forget, he was instrumental in in Rangers helping Rangers win the league last season. Some of the saves he was pulling off, you know, and making it was like a twenty-one-year-old Alan McGregor. You know, he was absolutely fabulous at times. I think you stick with him. Um, you know, I really do because he is capable of keeping clean sheets. You know, the big moments we've seen it in Europe many times. And again, I think that's one of the reasons why Rangers have been successful in the last three seasons in Europe because of Alan McGregor, because of his uh, crucial saves at, at key moments in the game. And um, he's, he's still a top class goalkeeper. And all right, you know, the problem is with, with goalkeepers, you know, you're. You're the last man, and if you make a div, a, a, div, a mistake as a defender, the goalkeeper keeper can maybe help you out. But obviously, as a goalkeeper, you make a mistake, and it's in it's in the back of your net. Um, but he doesn't make many uncharacteristically made a few this season. Um, but no, you definitely stick with him. You I know, think he, it would, he's top class. I would ask the you know, the question for the the bigger picture. Where's his long term future? Does he have a long term future? I think that's something that will have to be obviously uh, visited in the summer. There's a few players, isn't there? The likes of Conor Gosen could go. Stephen Davis is up out of contract. Aaron Ramsey will go back. Uh, Alan McGregor's out of contract. Scott Arfield's out of contract, hasn't mm -hmm. signed a new one. So, I mean, that's probably a conversation for another day. You know, Giovanni van Bronckhorst won't be looking that far ahead, but it does, you know, kind of uh, beg the question, where does his future lie? Does he have another year in him? Again, it boils down to, does the manager think, is there someone else out there who's better than him? Can they do a better deal? Can they... You know, financially, is it all viable? So there's lots of questions to answer, but I would think short term, you can't afford to leave out your most experienced player. Ultimately, he's made mistakes, but you always know with his character, he bounces back. Well, on the programme last night, Barry Ferguson was on and he said with 10 games to go and Rangers trailing Celtic by three points, he reckons that Rangers need to take 30 out of 30 to win the title. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was asked about this today. I think it's quite clear now that we are uh, coming into the end of the season with the last um, 10 games. You know, they're all important. We need to get every game. We get to three points. You know, very uh, disappointed, of course, with uh, the draw we had in the weekend. But um, it's a new game, a new challenge. And, uh, you know, we have to have the three points tomorrow. Stephen, do you agree with, with uh, Barry's yeah. comments? I don't think you can get away from it. You know, they've had opportunities... They've dropped far too many points in the road. It's strangely, it's what, what the third season out of four, four seasons out of five, where after Christmas, they just, or after the new year, they have, for some reason or another, they fell away. You know, I said last week there was very little margin for error. And every game that ticks past becomes less and less. I mean, if they fell six points behind with eight or nine games to go, I don't think they're getting that back. Plus, Celtic's goal difference is far superior. So it's, it could effectively be seven points. So I, I can't see. Celtic losing that many games. The difference when you look at Celtic is even though they didn't play particularly well at the weekend, even against Dundee, I genuinely never thought they were going to get beat. Whereas when Rangers are on the ropes, you think they could lose this. That's the difference. You know, Celtic didn't play well at Hibs, but Hibs never threatened to win the game. Whereas Motherwell, when it went to 2-2, you thought Motherwell could go on and win this. Mm. You know, even at Dundee, 2-2 with minutes to go, you always just felt Celtic had something in them. And that's built up through getting late goals and momentum. Whereas Rangers, when they aren't playing well or they're conceding goals, they don't look like really coming back. I mean, 58 attempts Rangers have had in their last two games on 52 shots in goal and scored three goals. That's a major concern at this stage of the season with 10 games to go. So I think 10 wins out of 10 is necessary for them. Any points drop now, then it's all Celtics. 
John, we're going to get to Celtic after the break and there's a terrific interview with Ange Postecoglou when he talks about his future as Celtic manager. I know you'll want to hear that and um, we'll do that after the break. But just on Rangers, just now, Stephen agrees with, with Barry. It's got to be 30 out of 30. There's two games against Celtic in the yeah. final 10 games to come. What's your view in terms of where the points need to lie? I think, Mark, there's still twists and turns. I think both teams will still drop more points. Um, I know what Stephen, I know what Barry's trying to say. Barry's wanting that consistency, you know, to win, win, win. Um, of course, ideally, but I just think going into the, you know, the final split, last four to five games, you, you're playing teams in and around you. You're playing the better teams in, in, in the division, the top six. Um, there will be points dropped. This whoever can capitalise. People talk about the weekend. Celtic, people are talking about Rangers could have brought it back to a point. Celtic, if 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 they'd won earlier mm. on, they could have took it to five points. Yeah. So you can look at it either way, really. Um, but as I said, I, I still think where Celtic are is remarkable. I think they're, they're enjoying being up there. But now that they're there, you want to kick on. You can smell... You know, you, you can smell success now. Already won the first uh, trophy of the season available. Um, still in very much in the Scottish Cup. And obviously, they're the top of the league. So, um, to think of what the type of season they're having. But there's, there, can't be, there can't be any sort of... Um, you can't get complacent at all now from a Celtic point of view. And I think Ange sums up when you listen to him talking... That's his thinking. That's his thought process. We've got this far through good, through hard work, desire. Um, we've we've signed some fantastic players. The recruitment has been great. Yota Abada, their numbers are outstanding. Hetati O'Reilly, Rogic of late has been quiet, but he's he's back. Some of the games he's played in 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 uh, in two or three weeks ago, the goal at Dundee United we saw. Um, we've come this far. And the Celtic fans, they can almost touch it now again. Mm -hmm. So let's keep going. There is no respite now. And I think the last two games bought a glimpse. And at the weekend, they were slightly off. Mm -hmm. They weren't at the levels that they've been. And Ange is, is the perfect guy to say, right, let's get back on it. Let's get back on track. Let's start winning games. Let's play our football. And um, it's, and it's, it's game John, on now. Isn't it? You know, you think of the, the Bora Glint first leg. Mm where they were okay in the game, dominant team, but didn't like that cutting edge. Dundee, not at it, really a little bit flat, but they won. You know, Bora Glint away, again, not at it, and didn't really threaten that tyre, threaten that game. And then the weekend, not really at it, not looking as if they'd lose, but just losing that little edge. Players, whether they looked a little bit fatigued or yeah. whether there's too many changes. You know, I think there was five mm. changes from Dundee to Bora and another five from Bora to Hibs. You just wonder, that continuity players want. You know, you were speaking earlier about Maeda, um, and, and I just think, because there's no space in behind defences in Scotland, you know, when teams are under pressure, they sit back. Mm. In Japan, maybe when he was playing, he had more space to go and play in. So other parts of his game are having to shine through. Yeah, he, hold up he, players, link up play, and he's got, to Kyogo. And he's got to work that out. Yeah, that's you exactly. Know, he, he's got to run along the line and look to dart in. And, and I think the quality of the passes, you know, have to be better. They have to be played with the perfect mm. weight, if you like. Um, and the amount of times that Sadik used to get in behind with them overlaps, you know, from the fullback areas, didn't do that an awful lot. Nothing was really cut back at the weekend. And when you've got Maeda in it and not Yakamakis, you lose that physical presence. So you have to find a different way of playing. Just just to go back to to, to Craig's point, mm. that start Rangers the last two league games more than fifty attempts on goals, but only three goals. 
again, if you're putting yourself in Morelos' shoes or, or, or Kent and these guys, what kind of concern will that be for Giovanni Van Bronckers? Yes, they're creating, but not they've not been clinical. Well, enough. a lot of them attempts wouldn't have been on target either. You know, you'd only had probably a third of them actually on target. You can say attempts. Attempts mm-hmm. could be a corner, it could be a headed wide, it could be a shot over the bar. Um, but well, I, listen, Rangers can score goals. There's no doubt that they went to Dortmund and scored four. Was it four? Yeah, they got yeah, over yeah. there, so they can score goals. Morelos has gone over hundred goals this season, in terms of his mark, in terms of his uh, numbers. So that they can certainly score goals. It's just they're having a little bit of a blip. They're not, they're not quite being maybe creative enough, and they've got creative players in the team to produce that. And they're just having a little bit of a blip, I think. Um, and it's the same with Celtic. I, th- I think both clubs might be just feeling the pinch, might be just feeling the nerves mm-hmm. slightly because there's so much at stake. You know what the league is going to bring this season? Um, Rangers now, they've done fantastically well in Europe. They, they, they've they got uh, another big European game to come as well, um, which obviously they'll be delighted to still be in. Celtic will have a little bit more rest now in terms of resting players and replaying maybe once Sometimes it'll be twice, but generally it'll be once on a weekend. Um, and still very much all to play for, but I wouldn't be worried too much for either team in terms of scoring goals. Um, it's just a little bit of a blip at the minute because both teams have shown they've got goal scorers in the team. OK, that's the first half of the show, or sorry, the first quarter of the show from John and Craigs. And when we come back after the break, you don't want to miss it because there's a revealing interview from Ange Postacoglu on his Celtic future. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go! Welcome back to the Go Radio Football Show. I'm Mark Guidi, delighted to say joined in the studio tonight by John Hartson and Stephen Cragen. We've got a busy, busy show. The calls are piling in. Lots to talk about. So we won't waste any time. We're going to go straight on the lines to... Callum, hi Callum. How you doing, guys? All right, hi Callum. Um, the point I want to make is um, just about obviously the title race. Celtic and Rangers both dropping points at the weekend, and the one thing that I have to be honest with you that's frustrating me is when Celtic drop points at the weekend, you've got fans that are, are overreacting in a sense. And I believe in because. One draw and a manager's a fraud. Two wins in a row and a manager's a genius. And I think people need to realise that any title race, as John knows um, and has experience, been up there with Celtic, it's a marathon and not a sprint most of the time. It's very rare that you win a league by the number of points Rangers won last season. So there's going to be ups and downs before the end of the season. And I think people need to understand that as much as frustrations, of course, come out when, when you drop points. John, what do you make of Callum's point? Well, it's getting to a stage now, Callum, where the fans are, you know, they realise the situation as much as um, Barry Ferguson said last night, he expects Rangers, or he feels Rangers need to win the the next 10 maximum points. Um, Frustrations creep in. Uh, Both teams have high standards. Celtic, uh, you know, were the chasing team at the start of the season. They've now gone above Rangers, so the the pressure is, you know, is is, is there. Um, but as I said, mate, you know, I can understand the, the fans getting frustrated because, uh, you know, that, that's the nature of the crowd. You know, if, you, if, you're not, if you're not scoring and you're not beating teams like Hibs and you're not beating teams like Motherwell, when, when the three points are so desperately needed, there's going to be frustrations from, from the crowd. Um, but from a player's point of view, 
you try and put that aside and you try and get on the training ground, you start working on things that you were doing well two or three weeks ago and you just have to get back uh, onto playing well again. But I can understand, um, and Callum, I don't know if you're on social media, but uh, you know, social media is it, 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 different again, isn't it? You know, the, the outrage on social media and the name calling and, and everything that's said about Ange, where, you know, I think Ange has done an incredible job. I mean, you know, we, unbelievable what he what he's brought in terms of his um, just in terms of his humility. Um, you know the way that he he deals with things. You know he doesn't get too high, he doesn't get too low. He's always stays very very balanced, and you know he's put he's put in um, he, he puts. You know, his Celtic team, he expects the expectation from Ange himself. You know, he knows how he wants Celtic to play. He wants him to be at it every single week. He's got very, very high standards. But in terms of, you know, people sort of um, saying things, you know, and getting disappointed and getting frustrated, that's half expected. It's 10 games to go. This this league this season is absolutely huge, by the way. On, on Craig's own... Uh... Callum's point about you know knee-jerk reactions and you know Giovanni Van Bronckhorst has been criticised in the back of a Sunday Ange past the Coglu's getting about the European exit etc did they lack perspective in the bigger picture yeah well I think overreaction in Glasgow I mean that that's the reality of football because mm. they're up against their big rival now, what I would say Callum is you said it's a marathon not a sprint well I think it's a sprint now <coughs> because there's yeah. only 10 games to go you know the majority of the marathon's been that's why there's a little bit of frustration because they know any you know, error or any mistake or any defeat or lost points could be pivotal as the season moves forward. So, you know, Celtic fans, if you'd said to them at the start of the season they'd be in this position, they'd have bit your hand off. However, now they're here. Mm. They want to win it. The expectation goes. Of course, it grows continually. There's an excitement. There's a nervousness. You know, they want to put one over on their rivals. Rangers want to put one over on their rivals. I think Celtic are a better place at this moment in time, which is the obvious thing to say because they're three points clear. But backing up the point I said earlier was that I don't think Celtic look like they're going to lose games. They may draw one here and there, but they always seem to have enough to get themselves over the line. The weekend they didn't, but they were still dominant. There was no threat they were going to lose. Whereas Rangers still have that little, you know, whether it's complacency, whatever it may be, I just think there's a wee something in them where they could lose a game. And if they do, it could be catastrophic for them. So... Listen, that's going to be the case between now and the end of the season. There's going to be excitement, there's going to be joy, there's going to be nervousness, overreaction, disappointment, the lot. And that's why we're delighted to have a title race that's as close as it is because it keeps us busy on Tuesday nights. <laughs> John, before, now, listen to me before I make what the point I want to make, I want to make it clear. In 02 and 04 and 06, you helped Celtic canter to the title by a distance each of the three seasons. But in 03 and 05, when it did go to the last day... Remember it, John. You, did, you didn't do it. Kilmarnock away <laughs> Motherwell away and in Callum's point we might be heading towards that kind of scenario yeah. to, to draw on your experiences of that when it's getting to, to the squeaky bum time how do players feel you know week to week feel the nerves Mark you, you feel the nerves you know uh, I won three titles while I was in Glasgow at Celtic I lost two one by a goal and one by a point that's hard to take but the ones that really really got close we just got pipped. We got pipped. You know, we went 1-0 up with two minutes to go at Motherwell. 
Scott McDonald calls himself a Celtic fan. I don't know where he's smoking a cigar. Happy, absolutely oh, killed come us. on, man. Absolutely Give killed him a us. break. If I'm a Celtic fan, I'd run the other way. I, I, don't away want, I don't want the ball. But he didn't but know he was going to go I like Scott. Celtic. I like Scott. I hope he's... I hope you like him. I loved him. <laughs> I hope he's listening to Australia. Yeah. And then, obviously... Um, you know, the one, the, the one at 03, I missed that game, 03. I missed Robbie the F, I missed the U for Cup Final yeah. as well. Yeah. I got my 25th goal of the season at Ibrox the Sunday we got back from uh, from Boa Vista and my back went. So I knew yeah. with eight or nine games to go, I'd got 25 goals. I knew I wouldn't play in the UEFA Cup Final and I knew I wouldn't be able to add to my goals tally for the remainder of the season. We go down to Kilmarnock, I think we won 4-1. Rangers beat Dunfermline. Five or six, six one, one. Yeah. and they win it by a, a single goal, which is um, which was incredible. Listen, they scored the extra goal. You can't say, you know, it could have been us, but uh, there's certainly the nerves sinking. Our front three that day was myself, Bellamy, and Chris Sutton. That's, that was our front three at Motherwell. We go 1 0 up. Chris put us in front in the first half. We had chances to go and win. Bellas went through to make it yeah. two. We never took our chances. Gordon Marshall was in goals, wasn't yeah, he? Gordon Marshall. And ultimately, it, it's very similar to when Celtic don't win now. Mm-hmm. We created opportunities, and you have to put these chances away. You know, you, you when crosses come in, you can't keep skying them over the bar because ultimately it'll cost you. You know, the team does really well to create opportunities. You've got to put the ball in the net. That's what wins you games. Apologies for dwelling on it, but take us into the dressing room 2005. Martin O'Neill's second last game was the Scottish Cup final the following week, which he's won. But just how devastating was that final day in 05? Well, Martin never said anything. He, he just said, get on the bus, let's, let's get out there. You know, um, it's probably the lowest I'd seen the manager in the whole time I was there. Luckily for us, so say luckily we went on to win the Scottish Cup final. We beat Dundee United 1-0. Um, uh, and Alan Thompson penalty, I think it was, that won us the game, which at least Ed Martin was able to go on a high. Um, there's no doubt Martin would have stayed at the club for, for many more years, but his wife, Geraldine, unfortunately, was suffering with um, with her own health problems. So naturally and, and, and obviously normally the, Martin went to support his wife which is totally understandable um, but no as I said it was the lowest I'd seen him the lowest because I'm there I'm, I'm on the side of the pitch and I've, I've come off with 10 minutes to go and Craig Beatty's gone on so my dad's behind me in, in, the, in the stand where you run out of the tunnel and I'm thinking where am I going to run? <laughs> where am I going to run? Am I going to run to the right with full of Celtic fans? The left was full of Celtic fans you had a few Motherwell fans across the way. Um, and I'm thinking, next thing, I'm, 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 we've lost. I'm, I'm thinking, well, what's going on there? Yeah. And all the Celtic fans, a massive exodus out of the ground. And we go into the dressing room, Terry Butcher and his team, naturally, are all celebrating. They've stopped Celtic winning the league. No, I we th- got three points and we won a double yeah, win you, bonus. Yeah, you, you so it doesn't matter what we done. It doesn't matter what we done. We got finished, a double win bonus. I think Motherwell day. finished 10th. They all played like but, Superman well, that afternoon. Well, well we couldn't have finished 10th because it was a top but, six but, game. But, but credit, so you can work out your mathematics. They got it done. They got it done. They beat us. You know, they did Rangers a huge favour. Rangers went to Hibs, a one on the same day. One nil. One nil. So they did what they had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always one of them feelings. I wish I had that chance again. You know, stories from that day. You don't get it again, though. With five got minutes one to chance, go. With five minutes to go, John Boyle had sent in two cases of champagne. Who was a mother owner at the time? Had sent in two cases of champagne to the Celtic dressing room. As soon as Scott McDonald scored a second goal, John Boyle ran down the tunnel, went into the dressing room, lifted out the champagne, and we came back in the art dressing room. We're thinking, 
what's all this champagne sitting in our dressing room? And it took us a, f- a few minutes to work out. It's because he'd give it to them and he didn't want it sitting and look yeah. as if he was being arrogant yeah, sure. you know, or, or, or snidey putting mm-hmm. it in. So, of course, we all popped the champagne and had a glass of champagne. champagne. Like, champagne when they beat Celtic. No, but it wasn't for us. At Motherwell, it was yeah. for it was for you guys, but you couldn't beat a Motherwell B team to go and win the league. I know, but you you said yeah. you were just drinking champagne for beating Celtic. No, no, we're drinking champagne after the game because it was in our dressing room. Oh right, it was okay. supposed to be in your dressing room, but you spoiled the party for yourself. So then we thought yeah. we'd drink it. Yeah, we certainly did. You spoiled the party. Well, well, that's <laughs> you can say what you want. On that, um, this season, Craig, do you see it going down to game number ten, and we get into the yeah. final game of the season with the title? And bear in mind. We're not talking about two cases of champagne this time. No, We're no. talking about 35 yeah, million quid. I can, just because it's two good sides. There's very little between them. Um, I'm saying that whether it goes to the final game or not, I'm not so sure, because I think someone will drop points. Someone will lose a game between now and then. If it's Rangers, then it may be you know, impossible for them to recover. If Celtic lose it, then because they have that extra point effectively and goal difference, it will help them. It's just one of those ones that's going to be up to... I mean, Barry said last night, win 10 games. I think James Tavernier said somewhere today, yeah, you know, we know what we have to do, win 10 games. That's a pressure. That's a pressure that adds because you think we can't afford to drop, we can't afford to drop. So it starts to play things in your mind and you can you know, worry about things, you can come concerned, it affects your decision-making. Mm. So it's easier said than done, oh, we have to win 10 games. Yeah. But, it's I a mean, big ask, it, isn't it, really? It's a big ask. It's a huge you know, ask. Do you know what, you know what you've got to do? Uh, me, my personal view is you can only affect what you bring to the team you can only affect the Celtic team and someone like Tavernier Morales they can only affect you can't worry about what Rangers are doing and how they result naturally when you lose or when you win and they play later on you, you know you wanting them to, to drop points because you've just dropped points but you can only affect y- your own sort of dressing room um, and your own performance so you've got to go and deliver. You've got to go and play as a group of players. You've got to get together and say, look, we are not dropping any more points. We are now going to really tune in for the remainder of this season and we're going to win games. And this league is in our hands. Right. We can only throw it away now. Celtic can only throw it away. 10 points each to play. There are 10 games apiece to play. It's in Celtic's hands. If we don't mm-hmm. drop, drop any points, if we keep winning and don't drop any points, we win the league. Mm-hmm. So naturally, you've got to get together as a group. Angel be saying this, let's go and get it. Let's mm. go and get it. Nobody, Celtic, couldn't win the league at the start of the season. Nobody in their wildest dreams give them a hope. Yep. They might not still win the league. Rangers might go and win the league. We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all hypothetical. We're talking here. But for me, the players have to, have to get together as a group and say, look, what an opportunity we've got here. I mean, John's saying there it's in Celtic's hands, which obviously mm-hmm. it is. That that's a fact. But Craig's as well on the other side, it is in Rangers' hands, even though they're three points behind because yeah. you play Celtic twice. So win. technically, the great thing about it just now with ten games to go is it's still in both their hands. So on the spot, guys, you said a, a line there that I picked up on a few minutes ago. If Rangers lose another game, it could be catastrophic. Yeah, who's going to who's going to win the title? Who's oh, going to be well. the champion with me? You said Celtic earlier on. It's a big question based on. You know, we're talking about 10 games to go. If you look at Rangers' last 10 games, the points have dropped since the turn of the year. Did you not say Celtic earlier on? Did I say Celtic? I'm no. sure you did earlier are you on. Sure? Are you sure, John? No, no he's still, he's still picked a one. I fancy Celtic to win it now, you, you sure, said. Are you sure your hair's not going? No, my hair's gone. <laughs> After <laughs> your my therapy hair. of 2005, you feel no, a bit better. You've got it all off your chest. No, honestly, mate, I'm you sure you said earlier on that I fancy Celtic now. That might have been. Celtic in a better position now, you said. I'm sure you did. But who's going to win it, Who's going to be the champion? I generally have no idea. 
Of course you do. I don't. It comes down to two teams. I don't. Well, okay. Well, Rangers and Celtic are one of them. But, but, I, but I don't know well, the straight answer. No, but no, because I'm looking at Rangers' last 10 games, the number of points they've dropped. If they go anywhere close to that in the next 10 games, it's Celtic's. Yeah. So but, Celtic but, are in but the but driving seat. We, we all know that, but what we don't know and why you're on here is. I, I don't know yeah. either. Well, of course we don't, but we do know what they've dropped. That That's a matter of fact. But what we're asking is a prediction with 10 games to go, who's going to be oh. the champion in the middle of May? Well, Celtic. Celtic, there okay. you go. John, there you go. That plays you. Celtic for me. It was up, Celtic. It, yeah, and I think uh, I said it a good few months ago. I've been saying it all season. I, I will be honest and state this out the season, um, Mark. I wasn't sure. I was on about. I was going on about transition, transition, and I went even two seasons. I was doing a show with Chris in one of the European games. We were over in uh, Dublin for Premier Sports. And he said, John, we can't we can't have two seasons without winning. Paul Lambert came on the show and said we can't have so we're all thinking maybe one and just to get his his players on board. The players have to settle. You know, the the, the Jap Japan internationals, these guys are all coming in. Jota came, Mabal, I could go on and on and on. Matt Riley. Um and and you're thinking to yourself, well, it might take a bit of time to gel. You know, but I think Rangers have have have, have let the you know let the door uh, ajar, and Celtic have gone through it. And but but by the way, uh, we just don't know. But if you're asking me, um, you know, I I, w- I would say Celtic now. And it'd be Rangers have more see. games to play, haven't they? When you include your two European games, mm. and then of course Celtic still have a Scottish Cup as well. You just think, you know, that's a lot of games for them to play. Mm. And when they've got those five players missing, when are they going to come back? When are they going to be available? But so I as think, it stands at the yeah. minute, you would think Celtic was in the driving seat, they've got fresher players, yeah. two games less to play. But we can stand here and make predictions all we want. You know, yeah, the next 10 games... Yeah, well, I, do, I, do I do think, I don't think there'll be more out. points dropped. I think there's many... Yeah, right. I, I you, think there's a few twists and turns still in this. Mm. It's not a foregone conclusion either way. Let's get back to Callum. You're still there. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> a, by the way, I have to say, what a brilliant 20 minutes you just sparked there with... with we joined. I've gone to loss a hearing to, to loss a hair to get in a prediction <laughs> out of Crags that Celtic's going to win the title. What, where, where do you think it's going to end up in the in the middle of May? Because with 10 games to go, 30 points up for grabs, we've got a real exciting final 10 weeks of the season. I think the, the derby match at Ibrox is going to be crucial, but if Celtic can keep that three-point buffer get into that game, then I think they'll definitely be in the driving seat because even coming out of that, if the goal difference is still superior, that's like an extra point. The, the one question I've got for John, Mark, is when you're playing in a title race like this, John, would you yeah. rather play first before your rivals or after them so that you know their result? I always think first, even though it didn't work for us when we went to that game in 2000... Um, when was it? 2004? Five. Five. No, we played at the same time. When, when we played against Motherwell, we had the we had the option of going and winning. Um, we only had to win that game and the league was ours. So we had, we, we had that option that day, Callum, but... I don't know about you if you were a player, but personally, I would like to go and put the points on the board, even games in hand. I always think, well, you've still got to go and win them games. I would personally go out first of all, get the win done, and then and then put that little bit of pressure then on, on your on your rivals. Well, brilliant. Thanks, Callum, for the call. That was a brilliant 20 minutes there from Craig's and Big John. We're on the Go Radio Football Show, and when we come back, we will... Get that interview about Ange Postacoglu's future. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go! go, go. 
Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. I'm Mark Guiri, standing in for Paul Cooney. And don't worry, Paul should be back in the hot seat tomorrow night. He'll be lively, he'll be ready to go. And he will have just enjoyed that 20 minutes there. We're talking about Josh Taylor and Jack Cattrall during the break. But I tell you what, that was a lively contest between Craigs and Big John there the last <laughs> 20 minutes it was good it was great radio now we're going to get back into some interviews from uh, today's pressers and Ange Postacoglu had a chat to me and for the first time John you're going to want to listen to this he's speaking about his future and, and what it means to him to be the Celtic manager have a listen to this being manager of this football club fulfills everything that I've ever wanted as as a manager because I'm in charge of a, a massive football club. I get the opportunity to work at the highest level um, domestically and in Europe. I'm at a club where people are passionate about the same things I'm passionate about. So as a manager, you learn to understand that uh, sometimes your destiny is not in your own hands. So you, you always uh, you always understand that at some point it'll, uh, it'll all come to an end. But like I said, I'm loving every minute of it and I hope it continues for a long time. John, on those comments, he's really opened up about how much he enjoys it and what it means to be in charge of a club the size of, of Celtic. Now, just that wee bit of doubt in terms of his destiny is not in his own hands, but I wouldn't imagine that anybody inside Celtic part or indeed the supporters would want to see Ange leaving anytime soon. Not at all, but I think he's realistic enough as, as much as he's been uh, um, spoken about in terms of the job that he's done, which is incredible. The board has to appreciate the job that he's done. He's brought everybody together again. The crowd are all of a sudden together. Quite toxic at times last season, as we know. Um, Celtic needed somebody like Ange to come in and, and unite everybody again. But to do that, you got as well win games and he's managed to win games and he'll know himself that ultimately as you know a manager of a massive football club who have been so successful in recent years um, he'll also know the demands on winning things now he's put himself in a great position he's won the first trophy of the season a poor campaign in Europe as we saw he'd be disappointed with that he wanted to improve in Europe that's where he wants to be improve Ultimately, Celtic clubs in the past have gone on to, to the knockout stages and everything else and won big Champions League games. The Martin O'Neill's, you know, the, the, the Lennons, these type of guys. Brendan Rodgers didn't do so well. Um, had a few drubbings uh, at that level. So um, he'll also know as well and he'll appreciate that he has, to, he has to challenge. He has to challenge in the league and he has to keep delivering trophies. Now he knows himself. He's sensible enough to think, well, if I don't do this and my team's... Um, sort of don't you know don't keep playing at the level and the rate that I want them to when he stops getting that from the players he'll know then what you know when it's time that he's had enough but he's had a great start to his Celtic he's only been through in the door Mark mm. eight months yeah look what he's done we're mm. top of the league mm-hmm. he's won the first trophy of the season yes Europe's been disappointing we've been disappointing in in the last couple of seasons really Europe um so you know, again, uh, I, I hope that he's thinking, I hope that the, the board and the hierarchy are trying to tie him down, trying to keep him out of the club. I think he's made a huge impact at the football club. He can, he, 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 you can see that he knows the, um, you know, the, the Asian market, if you like, with bringing in the, the Japan players, the internationals, um, bringing in over, over Jota, who's been instrumental um, this season. A barder for a couple of million pounds is really international. Carter Vickers, Joe Hart, yeah, Joe Hart again. What a signing yeah. Joe Hart does. So, see been... on that, John, you, you're saying there about 
you know the, the club should tie down now whether Celtic win the league or not whether Postacoglu emerges a victorious manager in, in May the Celtic send out a message just now and just get him tied down and put a message he, he's here for the next three four years I think so even if we we don't win the league um, I still think that um, his job is more than safe because I think they they they, um, they recognise the job that he's done. They recognise the football that he plays. Yeah, he can talk defensively and give away bad goals and one or two of the standards of the defenders at times. This particular Starfelt, um, particular Taylor, you know. So there's one or two things that still need to be tightened up defensively. We still have show frailties at times, but definitely I think the Celtic board they can do a lot worse than to give him you know, a, a big sort of, you know, heap of praise and try and lengthen his contract because, you know, uh, everybody absolutely adores him. I do, certainly, and I've watched Celtic very closely, managers, over the few years, over the last to few years. To be fair, you have shown him a lot of love in this programme yeah, the last couple but of weeks. I, I, do love absolutely... I, I do absolutely think he's been fantastic. Yeah. I really do. When you think of the job that yeah. he, he had to do, of Celtic were all over the place I at mean, the start on, of the season. On that, John, Christ, to get your view on him, as John says he's been in the job eight, nine months, what he inherited in June was absolutely chaotic. Mm. No other word for it. The recruitment process, is there a director of footballs or not? Very much publicised second choice behind Eddie Howe. The then chief executive leaves after 10 weeks, 11 weeks in charge. So you wind it forward now, Craig. What appreciation and respect have you got for what the manager at Celtics have managed to achieve so far? Well, I, I had done an article back home probably about a month ago and I said Celtic shouldn't be just looking at their players potentially being targets for other clubs the manager will be a target for other clubs you look at what the English Premier League owners in particular want they want success and they want it now they want a team who play attractive football they want it now because they're wealthy wealthy businessmen with billions of pounds and they're used to getting what they want and that's why there's so often a turnover and changeover of manager down there it doesn't work get him out it hasn't worked get him out Ange Postecoglou has put his uh, stamp on the team in such a short space of time to turn that club and the team from where they were to where they are now. He will be on the radar of clubs thinking, right, maybe not next one, but certainly keep an eye on this guy to see where he's going because he's done wonders. Yes, he's had a budget and he's spent money, but the type of player he's brought in, the money that he's spent, the style of football, the progress they've made, of course, people will point the board a glimpse and say, well, they're not a top-class side, they fell out of the Europe. Fine. That's going to happen now and again, but on the grand scheme of how he has done his job and where he's taken the club from, there will be envious eyes looking and thinking, we'd like a bit of that. So I'm not saying he's going to go now, but you know, for to be Celtic to where they are from where they were is testament to him. And you think, you know, he wants to go to a club where he's winning games, challenging for titles, playing in Europe every season, have a far bigger budget than the majority of clubs in the league. With that brings a different pressure because you have to beat your rival. He's done all that up till now. Between now and the end of the season, there'll be a big call for him. But you know, if you'd have said one trophy or two trophies in your first season from where they were, <laughs> Celtic fans would have been delighted with that. You know what I mean? John rhymed off eight or nine names that the, that the managers signed. When you look at it as well, because this time last year was a big thing, the head of recruitment, the signing policy, mm -hmm. you know, Barkas and, and Ajeti and, and players like that just never worked at all. There was millions wasted. But the managers also kind of filled that head of recruitment role, chief scout yeah. role, whatever you want to call it as well. Well, that's why when you bring someone in with such vast experience and knowledge of the game, you bring in their contacts. You bring in people they've spoke to, whether it's agents, whether it's clubs, whether it's people they've played with, people they've managed. You bring all that with you. So he's got a wealth of experience. You're not bringing someone in from their first job who is still trying to learn the market and learn how it works. He knows an awful lot of people in football. But what he's also done, Mark, he's made the players who were there, he's made them better. 
you look at the likes of Tony Ralston, he's made better. Greg Taylor, I think he's improved since since he since um, Ange Postecoglou came in. People keep saying they need a left back, possibly, but Greg Taylor, there's no doubt, has improved since he came in. I think Callum McGregor getting the captaincy has taken his game to another level, which at times over the last couple of seasons you thought wouldn't be possible. But he's probably taken it to another level in a different way that he's more vocal. I think he's thriving off being captain. His body language is better. His shoulders are back. He's not relying on other people. He's taking the lead. So when you calculate that into it as well with the improvement in the players within, then you think, you know, it's not just about recruitment. It's about everything. And, and plus gelling that all together. Mm. Bringing in people from different personalities, different backgrounds, different cultures, and putting that together on the pitch and getting that product that's a hell of a job. I think as well, Mark, I think the, the couple of main things I think the managers are, are ultimately judged on by the supporters and, the, and their board is style of play. Style of play is terrific. It's on the front foot. It's high press. It's attacking. It's hard work. It's creating chance after chance after chance. You could question defensively again. This is his style of play. He doesn't over, he doesn't dwell about the defence. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, you, you'd think, well, he's got to get that right, ultimately, to win the bigger games against the better opposition. And then, of course, they're judged on results. Mm-hmm. Winning. You have to produce winning football. And he knows that. He's won the first trophy of the season, I keep alluding to. He's got an opportunity to go win the league. They're top of the league, still in the Scottish Cup. So, listen... He's in the driving seat at the minute. Mm-hmm. He's dictating to the to the crowd. He's dictating to the to the hierarchy. He's telling them what he wants. This is because he's got the crowd in the palm of his hand, and at this moment in time, he's winning. He's won. He's you know he's winning things. If he wins a league, then for me that's two trophies. He's got the board then where he wants them, because he 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 love, love other clubs then think oh Hans Postecoglou's doing a great job. All of a sudden he can go in and he can say look. We need to keep Jota. We need to keep Abado. We can't sell this player. We need this player. And the board have to back him. On that, on Craig's point about Callum McGregor, a player and a boy that you know well, um, John, what do you make of his performances and, and how he's taken on the extra responsibility of being a captain and following in the footsteps of Scott Brown? He's been different class. He's a different type of character to Scott Brown. Scott was a vociferous leader. You could see him pointing the finger on the pitch and we made a mistake. He'd go and pick them up give them a bit of a rollicking, whichever way you can tell in the dressing room he's that type. Callum, I would think, is a little bit quieter, does his talking by his performances um, and his quality, and people follow that. People follow that leadership in terms of, look at Callum, straight away he wants to play after having, you know, uh, having had that knock on his cheekbone. Yeah. Strap me up, get me on that, that face mask. I want to be on there. I'm skipper of this club. You know, and I just think he's... He's arguably, I've said this, you know, there's some good midfield players in Scotland. He does it for his country. He's, you know, he's, he's brilliant for when Scotland play. So important to the way that they set up. And for Celtic, he, he when he plays, they're a different team. He makes them tick. He makes the team tick. OK, thanks very much. We're about to go to the break. Join us for the second half of the show. We'll get more from Ange Postecoglou and Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. And we're going to hear John and Craig's view on VAR. <laughs> 
Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees, they even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. Go Radio Football Show. The second half's about to start. We've had a lively first hour. Stephen Craig and John Hartson both in sensational form. We've had lots of calls as well. And we are going to take more of your calls in the second half. We're going to hear more from Ange Postacoglu. We're going to hear more from... Giovanni Van Bronckhurst and we are going to have the boys talking about VAR should we get VAR into our game is it expensive or do we need to bust the bank to make sure that we get it introduced the referees want it the players want it the clubs want it we'll find out if Big John and Craigs want it also and I know you're wondering where's Paul Curry don't worry he will be back tomorrow night he should be back in the hot seats feeling a wee bit under the weather and we wish Paul a speedy recovery. I'm Mark Guidi, joined tonight by John Hartson and Stephen Cragen on the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. OK, John, we're going to speak, or going to have a, a little chat about one of your fellow countrymen, Aaron Ramsey. Signed a loan from Juventus by Rangers during the January window, but he's been unable to make as big a contribution as he would like due to injury. And Giovanni Van Bronckhurst talks about his own frustration with not having Ramsey available. I don't have a clear timeline. Uh, hopefully, he will. Uh, he can join the, the team uh, very soon. He's already uh, working on on the pitch again. So hopefully, uh, in the, in the near future, we can welcome him back in the squad. Of course, we wanted Aaron to be involved more than he is now. You know, the most imp- disappointed is is Aaron himself. You know, it's football. Almost never get the ideal scenario as a coach. You always have things that will happen every week. John, you know Adam Ramsey. How frustrated will he be about what's happened to him in, in the past month? He'll be incredibly frustrated, Rob. I think Juventus sent him out to get some games won um, so that maybe uh, he can go back to Juventus and then he will get the interest and other clubs might be interested. I'm not too sure if they feel he's got a place at Juventus as a player anymore. So that was that was the whole thing behind it. Go and get Aaron, let him go to Rangers, let him help Rangers go and win games. That's what the Rangers board and Giovanni Van Bronckhorst would have been saying. I totally disagreed. Some of the players were saying he's the best signing since Gascoigne and Loudrup. Not in their league, absolutely not in their division in terms of talent. Gascoigne, Loudrup, hold on a minute. I love Aaron Ramsey. He's been brilliant for Wales. And he's been a world-class player, but not in that category. Come on, do you know? So it'll be incredibly frustrating for him on a personal view. I actually hope he gets himself fit and he plays a few games because Wales got a couple of big games coming up and he's always been brilliant for his national team. Even when he hasn't been fully fit, he's still turned up and delivered. You know, he's outstanding. I'll be the player of the tournament in 2016 in France when Wales beat Belgium 3-1 in the semi-final. He was incredible. Um, so for me, he'll be disappointed himself because he's a top professional. He didn't want you to go on and make more of an impact at Rangers. And I think the Rangers fans and, and Giovanni Van Bronckhorst himself 
would be disappointed because they failed to get him on the pitch. Now, you can't legislate for injuries. Mm -hmm. If the boy is injured, you can't put him on the field injured. It's just been incredibly unlucky for the player, really. And it's not really worked out for Rangers. Uh, can I just go with what Giovanni Van Bronckhorst said there? Ramsey's not going to be involved tomorrow night. Unlikely he's going to be uh, in the picture for the home game against Aberdeen. Um, on Saturday you're then looking at the Scottish Cup away to Dundee yeah. uh, is it? In, in, in the Scottish Cup then you're getting into the uh, getting towards the, the international break what do you make of the Ramsey situation and when he comes back whether it's five, six, seven league games to go is he going to give Rangers a, a spark that might just get them over the line? Well it's funny because you look at their last two games Dundee United and Motherwell and they probably needed someone of that ilk just to have that little bit of composure in the final third whether it's to play the pass or whether it's to slot the ball into the net, just that little bit of quality that, you know, I wouldn't say there was a nervousness about them, but they were slashing at things and you, you think just you need someone with experience just to, you know, stamp their authority in that final third. And I think he would have done that. I mean, he's clearly run out of games with regards, uh, or sorry, run out of time with regards to starting games because he wasn't fit when he arrived. I think he's played 94 minutes of football. I think I'd read somewhere to 94 minutes of football. So even when he does come back, He's not going to be fit to start in the team. He's going to have to try and get himself, I'm saying get himself up to speed. He doesn't have time to get up to speed. International jury may actually help him <laughs> if, mm -hmm. if he's fit for it mm -hmm. and he can go and get himself a couple of games. Mm -hmm. Then suddenly he comes back a much fitter player and sharper and ready to go. So um, I think it's a major disappointment because you know everyone in Scottish football wanted to see him playing. I mean, I mm -hmm. covered the game when he played against Annan and there was an excitement around, only two and a half thousand, but there was an excitement just to see what he could do and how he would play and how he would deal with the situation. And I have to say, his professionalism that day was terrific when the conditions were horrendous and the rain's blowing the wind and he was running about, he was chasing after it. I know that's free. I know people say, well, you know, that's the least he should do. However, sometimes big name players or players with big reputations don't do that when they really should be rolling their sleeves up. So, um, there's no doubt they've missed him. They've needed someone of that quality. <coughs> In India title race with 10 games to go, they would love to have him fit whether it's for six, seven games or whether it's for four or five games, he will, or he may still have a part to play, but maybe not as big a part as what he would have wanted to. I mean, in the more sort of immediate future in terms of somebody that we know does a job for Rangers and does it wonderfully well is Ryan Jack, who's come back from injury mm -hmm. and really looked the part. He's not available tomorrow night. He's missing. No. He's going to be a loss in McDermott, Park, where St. Johnson are fighting for their life. Yeah. Well, you, you know, they've still got Glenn Kamara, Scott Arfield and Joe Rebo. They've still got enough quality in that area of the pitch. Uh, uh, young Alex Lowry can play as a number 10 effectively too so I mean for one game they could probably do without Ryan Jack or another game they could do without him there is t talk that he will be fit or he should be fit for the weekend and you just see the difference he makes when he comes into the team he, he's so assured he takes a sting out of the game and that's where they probably miss Stephen Davis at times as well and I'm surprised Stephen hasn't played more minutes albeit um, he wasn't available for the weekend he's not available for tomorrow night but just when things are getting chased about a bit, you know, these guys have the, the know-how and the nous to just kill the game and make a simple pass. And they probably needed that on Sunday against Motherwell when, you know, from 2-0 up, comfortable position, should have been out of sight, suddenly it's 2-1 and panic starts to sit in. You can hear, you can probably feel the fans getting restless and Motherwell have got a head of steam up but they shouldn't have been allowed to get a head of steam up and suddenly the whole dynamic changes. That's where you need your more experienced players to look after the ball, look after the game, not make any errors. And it's probably cost him in that aspect, you know, missing someone like Ryan Jack or Stephen Davis. But you know, going to St John's tomorrow night, they know it's going to be tough. They know it's going to be difficult. You know, you work with them on a on a match day basis, Mark. They're well organised. They're well structured. If Rangers can get ahead and possibly get two ahead, it kind of deflates St John's a little bit. So their you know their aim will be 
can we score first and can we put even more pressure on Rangers OK good points there from Craigs and John we're going to go on the lines and the Go Radio Football Show we're going down to Ayrshire John and it's Mark on the line and I think he has got a point for you Mark you're through to John How you doing? Hail hail big John Hello Mark how are you? Hi brand new mate brand new Good man uh, My question for you would be um, must have been a time preferably in your Celtic days or your Celtic games where mm. you've been looking at the opposition back four and you're thinking to yourself, maybe this guy's got a bad first touch or a wee bit slow in the pace or lacking aerial threat. And there's also been a time where you've been looking at the back four and thought, I don't really see much flaws, maybe in the centre-backs or the two full-backs, but you've managed to get the better of them. Has mm. there ever been a defender that you've come up against that you thought, I might struggle here, but you've actually did a number on them? I've done a number on most, Mark. <laughs> no, all joking aside. Very mate. true, very true. Yeah, well, all joking I'm aside. I'm glad you laughed, John. Oh yeah, plenty on crags, by the way. Yeah, hey, but uh, that's how I used to feel when I used to play against John. Oh, it's big John today. There's no running involved. No, but my all joking aside, um, I used to the ones that I was physically, um, the ones that you look down in England, you look at the likes of Razor Ruddock and Tony Adams and. And Aye. Steve Bruce and Is Martin Keown when you said Martin Keown. I roomed with Martin for two years at Arsenal. It was the ones that could match me physically. Yeah. Um, they were the ones that I generally not struggled against, but I had battles with. Um, it was the ones like the Carragher's and the the Chris Perry's and the Southgates who were not as physically as aggressive or as strong. Imposing. I could I could roll these guys. I could, Aye, I could, put, the ball, I could, I could, pe- the ball. yeah, but I could peel onto their shoulders, and I knew I had the beating in the air if the right ball came in. I knew I could get above them, you know. Whereas I know that Tony Adams is six foot three; he's going to match me, he's going to compete with me. Um, but I've got to say, I like the boy Russell Anderson at Aberdeen. I was a tough one against against Russell. Craig's was always very competitive when we went to Motherwell. I have to say that. Um, and then the others, of course, were we sit alongside, sit alongside him here, Craig Moore. Mm-hmm. Craig was a typical Australian, you know, really tough, strong, aggressive, never laid down. We used to have some great battles mm. in, in the Celtic Rangers games, me and Craig. And we laugh about it now, Mark, you know, we can have a bit of banter about it. But there was many, I respected all, all my opponents. I just wanted to get the better of them and vice versa. They wanted to get the better. But generally, Mark, when your centre forward gets the better of his of his opposing defender you generally win the game because your centre forwards win you football matches Mark that's what happens that's what should be the case yes the odd midfielder will pop up and the winger will score the odd goal but you you've got good brilliant centre forwards you'll win a lot more games than you lose if I can just flip that round picking up on, on Mark's point so out of your Celtic teammates the central defenders over your your five years at the club who was the one that you thought I'm glad I don't play against this guy on a Saturday competitively well Bobo was naturally just aggressive he would just go and win the ball uh, very strong competitive just take everything out of the way um, brave as an absolute lion crowd loved him um, the one for me I have to say was Johan Mialbi you know we don't get the nickname Dolph for nothing, Dolph Lundgren, the lads used to call him, you know, uh, in Rocky Four, you know, um, I will break you, even Drago and all that stuff. Um, but good accent, I like that. Yeah, but that for me, time. it was just like Johan was just so solid. He was in the gym every day after training. Um, 
read the game well, played midfield for Sweden, his national team, mm -hmm. uh, played centre-half. Martin loved him. Martin loved a, a really sort of, you know, uh, opposing sort of centre-back who'd go and win the ball in his own box and the opposition's box. But there were, there were several, Mark. But as I said, the, the two at Celtic, of course, were, were Bobo, who, who was probably the one you expected me to say anyway. And I really loved um, Johan Mialbi. I thought he was a terrific player and a great passer of the ball coming out from the back, like Carter Vickers does now, if you like. He comes out with, with the ball from the back. If Johan's got space in front of him, he used to run into it. And Carter Vickers does the same now. Gax, who was your role? Was, was it a central defender growing up? Did you saw no, in particular? No, it was, I mean, it's funny just you're talking about centre forwards. You're playing against John. The minute the ball went wide, you thought, oh, this is coming in. You know, when you'd got one side and you'd Thompson the other. And you knew if John got in behind you and the ball was above your head, you thought, if I don't head this, he's going to score. If I do head it, I'm probably going to go into the back of the net. So that was your choice sometimes. <laughs> and we used to discuss it. And it was horrible when your shoulders were closed and you thought, there's someone behind me here, I don't really know where, I'll jump. And then you could just hear the breathing and just a big slap. And, you know, but that's what they were good at. You know, they got the ball into good areas. They put good balls into the box. Straight balls up were hard with John because you had to fight to try and get in front. Such a physical... All he needed was that little flick. And the, especially when it was raining, the ball used to slap off his head and it went flying at some speed because he was such a big presence. He used to stand, be a target man, be a focal point. And you don't really get that anymore. Strikers want to come off and link up and they want to get running the wide areas and they want to run away from the danger areas. Like John and Henrik Larson and even Ali McCoyston and even Daryl Purcell. They used to... And it was Kenny Miller and, and Chris Boyd. And, they used to play in the centre of the box. That, that's where they got their goals. You know, the double six-yard box you talk about is where the majority of goals, so I think it's 85% are scored from. Yeah. All those guys done all their work and the majority of them done their work in that double six-yard box. It was about cross balls and putting it in. So, listen, it was always appetising. It was always... I mean, Henrik was another one. You know, you played against Henrik and you'd look at Henrik, you'd look to the ball, you'd look back and he was gone. He was that good that the minute you turned your head, he was gone, he was gone somewhere else. So it was always... It was certainly always Mark, Mark who, who were your favourites? Who, who did you like to, to look at when... Uh, I believe you're a Celtic fan, but where you're open in the comments when you come on the show. But who, who yeah. was the ones that you liked? The ones you like to watch? Uh, I like the gap for his pace. Yeah, obviously you and uh, Henrik. Uh, I like Bobby Fetter and Paul Lambert back in the day. But like obviously modern team, even though Jota's had a wee bit maybe a dip in his last few games. Mm. I feel like he's the cream of the crop right now in the Celtic team. Um, well. I think Kyogo in it, but when's he coming back? Uh, um, we don't quite know, Mark. We don't quite know. We keep hearing he's not far yeah, away, go. but Kyogo, Mark's not talking about. Yeah. But uh, we could do with him now because, you know, there's our strikers have, well, they've not dried up. It's just that, you know, a couple of games and uh, they've not exactly been firing. Saying that, Yakamaka yeah. scored a hat-trick to win us the game a couple of weeks yeah, exactly. ago. He was the hero, wasn't he? Mark, yeah. do, you think, do you think that Kyogo coming back is vital to Celtic in terms of trying to win the title and, and, and get it over the line to bring that extra bit of quality um, to the team well, in the final third well of course but Abad has been putting them in as well and Jota can keep putting them in Hatati you know what I mean two goals against Rangers Katib maybe come into a goal scoring run there's goals all over the team when he starts going for corners first of all when was yeah. the last time he scored for a corner that's a great point we, we don't score enough goals from set pieces we can you know. see the corners, but we don't score a lot for them. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I think every time we get a corner, you're thinking, come on. You know, I, I don't know if, if the guys work on it, who is in charge of set pieces no. on the training ground. 
whether we need whether whether we need more movement when the ball is coming in or whether we need to attack certain areas better. But I totally agree. I think the Celtic fans would agree. We, we do not score enough corners or from set pieces. We don't. You know, with the delivery that we have in Hitati, in O'Reilly, in McGregor. They're not a big team, John, are they? Celtic aren't a big team, really. No, they're not, but you still you you think... Know, Cameron Carter-Vickers is not the tallest, but great athleticism, but, you know, Jack mm-hmm. and Marcus, barring those two, Starfeld doesn't... Starfeld scored... Yeah, well, Yakamakis. You know, so there's not a lot. Yakamakis, you look at uh, Carter Vickers and Starfeld, they're the three ones that you want to go and attack the ball from corners for, certainly. Okay, we're going to take a, a break, and when we come back, we're going to get the boys' take on VAR. It's very much in the news at the moment, and we'll hear what John and Stephen have got to say about it. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go! The Go Radio Football Show. It's a Tuesday night. John Hartson and Stephen Cragen in the studio with me, Mark Guidi. We're into the last, what we got, 35, 36 minutes of the programme. It's been lively. We've had loads of calls. We've had loads of debate. We've had John and Stephen pretty much having to be pulled apart in the studio. It's been lively. And on that, we'll touch on the boxing because the headline news at the moment, John and mm. Craig's, is that Tyson Fury is saying that after he fights Dillian White next month, that's it. He's hanging up the gloves. He is retiring. I think we've maybe heard this one before, but mm. do you believe him? Are we ever going to see Fury against uh, Joshua? Well, I think... 200 million might make a difference or 50 million or whatever. <laughs> but he's all, I think Tyson's words were there that it'll be his last fight. He's got 150 million pounds in the bank. He's going to buy a, a large yacht. He's got nothing to prove. He's fit, he's healthy, he's young, he's got a lovely family. What more has he got to prove? The only one he's got to prove is to fight Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua has lost already twice. You know, so... After he beats uh, Dillian White, I think he will beat Dillian White. Dillian White's got to fight this chance because he's got he's not these heavyweights, you know. When when they they've all got to fight this chance, uh, a puncher's chance, should I say? But um, no, I, I'm not surprised that he's come out with something like this, Tyson Fury. Uh, you're never surprised, are you, with what he mm. says? But I do like him. I, th- I think he's I think he's great value. Uh, he turned up at the press conference today, but Dillian White didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we don't know. But as I said, if he did retire, it wouldn't surprise me because he's got nothing else to prove. Craig, do you think we'll ever see Joshua against Fury? I think he would become bored. Tyson Fury. He looks as if he's the type of guy that needs something on his mind, something to work towards. Hence the reason why you know he, he's boxed as long. Um, I also think you know mental health has been a big thing for him. Yeah. And I think if he's got something to focus his mind on mm, and fitness and sharpness. That just keeps you ticking along. Naturally, if you think you're past your best or you don't think you can hold your own in the boxing ring, then you would take it, you know, you take that decision. But he certainly looks like he's got a few more fights in him. I mean, I think he just likes to be the entertainer. He likes to talk about things. Probably at times he talks too much for his own good, but there's no doubt he'll be, you know, if he gets a chance to fight Joshua, he'll want to, you know, once and for all show he's 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 the world number one. He retires at the top. He's unbeaten. He's got all the belts, more or less all the belts. He's got all his faculties and it only takes one punch in boxing, doesn't it, mm-hmm. really? Um, and he's had some tough fights, you know. He went over and fought yeah, Deontay Wilder three times. Mm-hmm. You know, he went to um, he won other big fights. Uh, and as I said, sometimes Joe Calzaghe 
you know, we finished unbeaten, mm. Tyson's unbeaten. Sometimes your record and your ego means a lot to you. If you've got that unbeaten tag as well, never lost, got all that money, you know, why take another risk? Why take another risk? But on that unbeaten stuff, Josh Taylor remains unbeaten. But what was your view on Saturday night against Jack Catterall? Because it looked as though Catterall won the fight, but, but Josh Taylor retained all his belts. Well, I wanted Josh Taylor to win the fight. I've been lucky to be in Josh's company once or twice. Um, I wanted him to go and win the fight. I fancied him to win the fight. I think he was big favourite before uh, before the fighters went in the ring. But he lost the fight. He didn't win. Catrell won. Clearly won. Um, I think the crowd saw it because the crowd was a little bit subdued mm -hmm. towards at the end of the... I think the pundits, not me, Rob. I uh, Sorry, Mark. Um, I think the pundits all yeah, are experts. Johnny Nelson that, that were all, didn't they? Uh, and they can't, yeah, all, they can't, they can't yep. all be wrong, you know. And nothing personal against Josh. He's a wonderful fighter, a brilliant career. Still got loads of, to go as well. He's going to step up now as well, isn't he? Because that one yep, fought. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he lost a fight in my... I thought Catron won. won. I'm not saying he absolutely won it easy, but I thought if I had to go, I think Catron did more than enough to win. Was Catron robbed on Saturday night? Thanks. I mean, I don't know how to judge a, a, a boxing match. I don't know what scoring points, but if you fight someone and you throw double the number of punches and you land double the number of punches to your opponent, you'd like to think you've been with a right good chance of winning. <laughs> you know, and, and, and your opponent's face is cut a little bit and, and, and the crowd is subdued. Everything that goes with it, you think you're due to win a fight. So basically, just from the naked eye of a, someone who knows nothing about boxing, uh, I'd rather have been in Catrell's corner than Josh Taylor's corner after the final bell. Well, listen, I used this line last night, this link when uh, David Proven and Barry Ferguson were on the show. Unashamedly, I'm going to use it again. If we had VAR in boxing, we might have had a different result um, on Saturday night, which brings us on to VAR. Craig, I know you're up to speed with it. You keep a close eye um, on it. It looks as though the Scottish game wants it. The clubs want it. The referees and officials certainly want it. But the latest we're hearing, it's crept up in, in price. You might be looking at an excess of one and a half million pounds, which roughly my arithmetic is about 125 grand for the top 12 clubs to, to put in, which may be a bit of a problem uh, for yeah. two or three of them. What's your take on it? I think when the numbers get to that level, you know, that's that can be 10% of a playing budget for a club in the top flight, which is a huge, you know, could be, I said last week, that could be three or four players down mm. on where the squads are just now. And the squads are paper thin as it is out with the top seven or eight clubs. So, you know, they've got a way up. Do they have that money available to go and spend it? Are they prepared to cut back on their playing squad, which could then have a detrimental effect and then possibly being relegated? The teams are going to be in the bottom three or four. Is there going to be help coming in? You know, I, I'd try to suggest possibly you know, last week, you know, the teams, that, well, there's five now in Europe, the top teams, the top five teams that qualify for Europe and they get a lot more money through qualification and winning rounds. Can some of that be used? you know, to try and help buffer the other clubs down below. And it just means every five, every season, the five clubs, it could be, certainly it'll always be two, but the three could change. I mean, Hearts could be in Europe this year and not next year, so they have to pay more this year but benefit. And it's actually just out of prize money. It's not out of money they're budgeting for that they're getting through season tickets. Is there any way that that money can be dripped down to try and lower the cost for the clubs that don't qualify for Europe? We need to find a way, put it that way. You know, I had a look today at some of the countries who have it, Mark, and mm -hmm. you're talking Cyprus and Egypt and Georgia, and Kosovo, Thailand, you know, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, you know, we see our league as being one of the big leagues and we like to think that we grab profile and people talk about us. Well, the longer it goes without VAR, people will be laughing yeah. because I think that's not 
a proper league then because they haven't got the same technology as everyone else. So they need to find a way. How they do it, I don't know, but there has to be some discussions and they have to find a way potentially of spreading money out. I suppose every club paying the same because income and resources and everything that clubs have in Scotland in the top flight differs and there needs to be a buffer somewhere for me. I mean, Dom, you think about it, we've got a £35 million title race on the go. But not only that, there's 12 teams in the league fighting for different things. There's livelihoods at stake, whether it's Dundee, St. Johnson, Ross County, whatever happens, down at the bottom. Clubs try to push into the top six, try to get European football. As Craig says, you look around the countries around the world mm. that have VAR, and we don't. And I know it's a lot of money, but in the grand scheme of things, a million and a half pounds to benefit our game, surely it's a no-brainer. Well, yes, it's a no-brainer, but it's imperative that these clubs, um, like the Dundees and the, these smaller clubs, um, you know, they 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 stay in the league. They they keep getting that financial sort of um, uh, viable. They they got to keep financially secure as clubs. Um, so the point you were trying to make, Crags, were if VAR does come in from the SFA, that means then they won't have as much money to give to the other clubs. Is that right? But no, I, I'm talking when they qualify for Europe. Yeah, when you qualify for Europe, you're guaranteed a figure every round you progress, whether it's even the preliminary round, the first qualifying round, second qualifying round. And I just wonder, you know, if there was agreement among all the clubs that a certain percentage of that came into the pot for VAR, which would mean then that the clubs who aren't in Europe don't have to pay as much. Mm -hmm. I, people will say, oh, the clubs are getting punished for getting into Europe. They're not, because it's it's bonus money effectively. Well, you, you, you could also actually as well do it if you like those clubs maybe paying more at the start. But see over the set amount that's spread evenly. So if you're paying an extra thirty or forty grand per club, you could also you could almost make that like a loan, Craig's, and then filter it back yeah. into them further down the line. Whatever it may be, yep. whatever it may be to do that, but something that takes the burden off, you know, the smaller clubs who don't qualify for Europe and are okay, maybe they've had a bad season or a smaller mm -hmm. club. Fine, I get that. But what I'm saying is the th you know the top two will always qualify for Europe, and if there's five places every year, this year it could be Hearts, Aberdeen, and Hibs, for example. Next year, it could be Motherwell, St. Johnston and Dundee that qualify for Europe. And then they take, the not the hit, but they then feed that mm. money down. Just something where there's always money circulating, coming into a pot every summer. So clubs aren't thinking, I've got to find another 140 grand, 150 grand. Oh, it's only 70 this year or 80. Just to try and yeah. help the clubs. Well, I'll just talk about the, the football side of things. And I, I would love VAR to come to, uh, to the Scottish Premiership. I, I think it'll clear up a lot of close calls. Mm -hmm. Um because some of the calls at the minute are not good enough. Mm -hmm. Some of the referees working on their own with no help, just a couple of linesmen, they see it for a split second. With VAR, you can watch it 20 times mm -hmm. and maybe still not come to the right decision. You look at Mike Riley this afternoon. He's apologised for the not giving yeah. the penalty against Rodrigo, against Man City at the weekend. That could mean Everton might go down. That's a point that they lost on that day. Might mean Man City now getting advantage in terms of going a couple of points clear mm -hmm. because they got the three points. So it's not black and white. You don't always get it absolutely spot on, by the way. It still brings problems and issues. But I think having it is better than not having it. I think it will still clear some some calls up. I mean, we were speaking earlier about the pressures, you know, this, if you want to again call it the squeaky bum time with 10 games to go to decide the destination of the title, how players feel, restaurants feel, having the mentality to cope. But for referees, John, they must be feeling that too because imagine being a referee or a linesman yeah. and you make a call that costs the title one way or another. That's, that's Mark, got to be horrific. I, I've got so much respect now for referees and when I played 
when I played, I didn't. I was rude. I was ignorant to their feelings and how difficult the job was. Not on my own, by the way. You see it now. You see managers are worse than players, by the way. And they are meant to lead the way. Mm-hmm. Managers will go up to the referee, rant and rave, come out, come off the pitch afterwards, you know, run them down. And what the players meant is the players are meant to take sort of... Uh, take the lead from the absolutely, manager. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So for me, it's a difficult job. It's so hard now to be a modern day referee um, because, you know, the game is so fast. Um, it's difficult to keep up. You're relying on your linesmen. Sometimes they get it wrong and decisions sometimes do go wrong. And, and, and ultimately it costs it costs teams sometimes a place in the league. It costs them financially. Um, so that's why I think VAR would be a good thing because uh, they get more right than what they yeah. get wrong. Yeah. Um, but again, sometimes... So the officials some, would want it more than the clubs. Yeah, they do. The, the officials are absolutely that. desperate for it. It's a very, very tough job, want, referee. Because they want... I mean, for example, the two goals that Rangers had disallowed against Motherwell the weekend, the two Morellas, I think the first one looks as if... Yeah. Again, we're talking from a camera angle from the halfway line. We don't get actually a camera in line with it. Mm-hmm. So where you look from, the first one, probably offside. The second one is so close. Mm-hmm. But to see that in the naked eye when it happens in a split second is impossible, Mark. Yeah. You know, I don't think that... You know, because if the referee's assistant's looking at it and thinking, I'm not sure, mm-hmm. you can't put your flag up because no. that means you're gambling. Yeah. And people say, oh, no, but they, you can't. The referees, and you speak to the, the referee in fraternity, they say they never give a I remember speaking to Stuart Dougal about it. He, I said, oh, you gambled. He said, no, we never give a decision unless we're 100%. Whether we're, whether we're proved wrong, we give it with honesty and without bias. And some people don't believe that, but I genuinely do. They don't yeah. go out there to try and spoil the game and not let a team score. If someone's offside, they think they're offside, the flag goes up. I think if they're not too sure, they keep the flag down. Mm-hmm. You know, so the sooner this comes in, it helps them, it clears things up, it gives them another look at it to go and try and prove it wrong. And that was the problem with the, the Everton one at the, refer- uh, the weekend. It was the VAR referee who gave it. Yeah. And he didn't actually, he should have, apparently he should have either said to the referee, it's a penalty or go and have a look. He didn't say anything, which meant then the game played on. So that's where then there has to be little tweaks to make sure the on-field referee for me has the final say. He has to go and look at every decision because his neck is on the line. He's the guy on the pitch. Well, I mean, you, you're seeing different games up and down the league every weekend. And what is your view on the standard referee? Because you hear Rangers fans saying, oh, the officials have got it in for us. Celtic fans, oh, yeah. they've got it in for us. We never get anything. But we see different games <laughs> up and down the table. They should come and play for a smaller club. Exactly. So what, what's your view? Because I just think, I don't like to slaughter referees, no. but I think this season... I think the standards has been far from acceptable. Do you know what? I think there's a nervousness. I think there's a fear because they know no matter what decision they make, there's going to be a, a clamour to have a go and, and have a dig. I mean, inconsistencies, yes, there's going to be inconsistencies because every referee sees a decision subjectively different. You know, you see it different than what I see it, than what John sees it. So there's going to be cons- inconsistencies with us. The concern is when there starts to become inconsistencies within a referee. And I think that's what I've noticed this season, that they're extending a player off for that, but they're not for that. They're giving a foul, and, and, and that's when it starts to become a confusion. And I think it's just the build-up of pressure, of knowing that they're being covered from every angle, and everyone has got it in for them. And it must be hard to try and keep your mind straight, and try and keep your focus on your job, knowing that no matter what I give here, someone's going to come and have a go at me. Listen, they live away from football. We think sometimes referees are irrelevant, but they're not. They live away from football yeah. and they have to carry that all week until their next game. Exact same as a player. A player gets a chance to go back onto the pitch. You know, within a couple of days, the referees have to wait and they've got to stew over decisions and people tell them and they'll watch it back and they'll become frustrated. So 
VAR is the only way to help them out. Who's the best referee in the country now, Craig? You know, I don't know. Because one week I'll watch one, I think it's you, and then I think, oh no, it's not the following week. So I, I generally don't know. Whereas previously you've been able to say one or two names. Mm -hmm. Now I'm thinking, I don't know. I've watched who I thought were the best referees make poor decisions and poor calls and be inconsistent within a game, never mind game to game within a game. And I think, no. So generally, I, I, I'm not sure there's a standout at the minute. John, do you think there's a, a standout, a, a number one referee in the country at the moment? Um, I, I think it's a difficult job, Mark. I really do. Um, like, who would be a referee? Um, it's difficult. And as I said, I wouldn't want to single anybody out. And then again, I wouldn't want to criticise certain referees. I think the job is difficult enough as it is without people like me and Craig's singling referees out, you know, because they listen to the show. They, they'll want some uh, feedback and everything else. But this season, the, the, there's been uh, quite a few decisions, hasn't there, that have gone either way. Um, the fans will say, you know, sometimes you, you there's conspiracy theories, this, that and the other. Um, we'll all have our own thoughts on, on, on what they are. Uh, but what, what I'd like to finish this part with is that it's a very ridiculously hard job to do. I tell you what I'd say, any parents out there, go and referee your children's match on Sunday morning, right? Take the, take the whistle, I'll ref it, say, and see how many other parents on the touchline are screaming and shouting at you. <laughs> hey! You mainly, said this all your speaking for experience. Yeah, mainly, mainly it's because I've done it. Yeah. And people are screaming at me. Do you know what I say? Excuse me, mate. Yeah, come on and you take over. He's standing there. He's almost walking out. No, no, come on. Please, come on have five minutes. Because honestly, mate, it's it's a really difficult job to do. Yeah. And it's only when you maybe do it yourself, even at a kid's level, under 10s level, the criticism from the side, imagine there's 50, 60,000 there. So, listen, it's, it's almost an impossible role. It really is. Just to wrap this section up, bring VAR in as quickly as possible. Just find a way financially to do it. If it's affordable, yes. And no other clubs suffer because of it financially. I think it would be a great thing. Thanks. Must. 100% that has to come in and it can't come in mid-season. That's not a level playing field. It either starts this July or August or it starts next July or August. Well, we've had this section on VAR. It's been lively. Craig's wants VAR brought in. John Hartson wants VAR brought in. And earlier, they also agreed too that come the middle of May, Celtic will be the champions. Don't miss the last 15 minutes. We're back after the break. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go, go, go. St Andrews Day you'd mentioned it wouldn't you <laughs> uh, we've got you've got you there we've got you there. Well, listen I love during the breaks guys are great last night David Proven and Barry Ferguson we were talking about hair transplants John oh. you know, we were talking about Davey and I and Barry we were talking about them and tonight during the break there wasn't it about VAR it wasn't about the destination of the title he said three things that we've missed that we're going to mention St David's Day today a proud Welshman of course happy St David's Day World Pancake Day today. Pancakes getting made up and down the country. And your old gaffer, Martin O'Neill's yeah. 70th birthday. Absolutely. Brought well. the man who brought me to Celtic, obviously. Um, just like to wish him happy birthday, Martin. 70 years of age. He's a fantastic manager. Great success at Celtic. And I'm sure I share a lot of the Celtic fans' views when uh, the ones that are listening. Great man. Happy birthday, gaffer. 
Yep, happy birthday to Martin O'Neill, happy 70th, and to everybody else who's got a birthday out there. All the very best. We're into the last oh, 13, 14 minutes of the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. I'm Mark Guidi standing in for Paul Cooney. We wish Paul a speedy recovery, I'm sure. John will be back in the hot seat tomorrow night with Davy Proven and Barry Ferguson. We wish Paul He's a under pressure recovery. now, Mark, after your performance oh, tonight. To be fair, I have to say, I think Paul's been doing all right recently. I have to say, I think he's been, I think he's been, I think he's been half decent. I have to say, there's definite room for improvement. But he's been, he's been, he's been good. I love Paul to bits. Right, um, where are we? Last bit of the show. Big card tomorrow night. As we said, only ten games to go in the league season. Uh, we'll just kick off um, down the bottom. Dundee v Hibs. Craig's Matt McGee looking to get his first points on the board as Dundee manager against Sean Maloney Hibs team who seemed to be gradually getting mm. better probably summed up Dundee's season was that last week when they went to Celtic Park and lost 3-2 and you think right they've got something to go for here the game midweek against St Murray was called off so they're a full week's training to prepare for Livingston and you think right okay let's go and sh- see what you've got new manager impact is there a bounce 21 minutes 3-0 down game's gone mm-hmm. so that'll be a big concern for Mark is how uh, quickly his team fell by the wayside how quickly they you know they let the game get away from them um, you know Charlie Adam back now and again Paul McGowan I think when you're in a battle you need your experienced players you need those guys to be on the pitch none, I don't think all, none of the three started at the weekend I'd imagine they'll be back in starting uh, against Hibs tomorrow night but Hibs then have to use that point from the weekend to think right we need to kick on we need to guarantee fourth place I think minimum for Hibs would have been fourth this season they mm-hmm. looked around at the teams that started the season and thought we're better than most I don't know why how hearts are going to be because they've just got promoted but we should be looking for top four so I think they currently sit fourth so that's where the minimum they'll want to sit I think 11 points behind hearts and third they aren't catching hearts so tomorrow night is a huge game for them Sean Maloney the expectation from Hibs is to go there and win and I think they have to go and deliver OK so it's a Hibs win for Crags for you John at Dens Park um, on the back of Hibs the way that um, they defended well at times. Uh, they played some good football, I thought, in the game on on Sunday. Um, you know, they've just gone fourth behind Hearts, which is a good position for them to be in, really, with Hearts having the strong season that they're having. Um, I, w- I would fancy Hibs, but I'd like to just make a point, Mark, about Dundee. Mm-hmm. Generally, when a team has played Celtic or Rangers, right, they put so much into it. They do so much running, do so much defending, um, take so much energy levels out of them players that a lot of the time they struggle in the next game mm-hmm. because they've not had the um, the rest period. They had, what, three or four days? No, they had a week. You like think you've recovered before a week. I think maybe psychologically, I've been there before, you go and get a big result and then suddenly there's a... Yeah. Because you turn up the next game and you think... We'll just replicate what we've done. My <laughs> fault. Generally, I was work. thinking when it's three or four games, but obviously a week had gone by. Yeah. But generally, when you put so much in and then you go up against another team, you struggle mm-hmm. because the level that you've been at, and then and then it, it just it just the standards just drop a little bit. Hence, they got thumped mm-hmm. by Livingston at home. Terrible result for Dundee. When you think that uh, they're rock bottom, um, Livingston are uh, they're not in the top six to lose four. At home, Mark McGee, how much I said this last, how much can he really influence things mm-hmm. from the stand? Mm-hmm. He wants to be on the bench, but they knew that before um, they, they appointed Mark McGee. Um, 
It's not quite working at the minute. Yes, the performance at Sadley Park was 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 good. It was decent. It's good, two good goal set pieces. Um, so for that, I I think Hibs will carry on, and I think Dundee, um, they really need something to go for them. You know, as Craig says, still got some good players in the team, but uh, I fancy Hibs. Okay, so both of you going for Hibs. Let's move to Livingston, Tony Macaroni Stadium at Livy against. Dundee United Dundee United got a point at Petodrie mm. Crags on Saturday Livy's we've just said thumped Dundee 4-0 how do you see that one going? Uh, it's a hard one because you know Dundee United sometimes had a good run but don't win a lot of games I think they've only won one of the last five in the league albeit they're unbeaten in those games so the frustration thing for Tom Courts will be how can we turn those draws into wins? For Livingston tomorrow night a win for them and they leapfrog United they go above them and I think Livingston have just got something about them that I think they will creep into the top six again. Bruce Anderson scores goals. Mm. I think he's got 11 goals this season. I don't, it's not watched him playing for Hamilton last season in the league and I watched him playing at other clubs and I thought, yeah, he'll get the odd goal. I didn't see him getting 11 or more than that. So he's really stepped up to the plate. Probably looking at it and thinking, this is my last chance in the top flight. If I don't go to Livingston and hit the goal trail, I'm going to end up in the championship. I'm going to end up being a championship player. So he's really taking it on board. David Martindale was brave. He's changed the whole setup of the play. They've changed their whole profile of player they're looking for. And it's rewarding for them. I think Livingston will win tomorrow night. Okay, lovely for Craig's John yourself. What do you think? It's so tight, isn't it? You look at where Aberdeen are in ninth, 32 points, and then Hibs are fourth, 35 points. It's mm. one win. And all these all these all these clubs. Livingston, St Mirror and Aberdeen, they'll all have aspirations of trying to get into that top six. Mm -hmm. So now it's, it's not only we talk about the title, you know, these all these these clubs just, you know, it's uh it's really important now that they finish in that top six. That'll be their aims now, of course, especially the teams that are out of the cups. Um so for me, um I think Livingston will carry on the good form. Oh. I think they'll be buzzing tomorrow. Dundee United, good team. Uh Tam Courtier has done well. But I just think Livingston a point. People going about Tam Coates are well, you know, Craig said they've not won for a while. But how well has Davy Martindale done yeah. again? Yep. You know. Um, so for me, I think that they'll be absolutely flying on that plastic pitch. Okay. Celtic over there on Sunday, always a difficult game. But I'm going to go home win Livingston. So you're both going for Livy, you're both going for Hibs. Let's move to Fur Park to Craig's old team, Motherwell against hmm. Ross. County, how do you see that going? Malky well, McKay's team, I, the stat I heard that we couldn't believe it, Craig, third top scorers in the league, Ross yeah, County. 41 goals, yeah. incredible mark. You know, and, and to be fair, they conceded, I think, the most, 47. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be open and, and attack games and commit men forward, you're going to leave yourself exposed at times. Motherwell are a hard team to judge, and that's why this makes this a hard game to call, because the first half on Sunday at Ibrox, Rangers could have been five, six, seven goals in front. And then suddenly Mother will get a little glimmer of hope at the start of the second half. And I wouldn't say they completely change their performance, but they're a little bit more resilience about them. They believe in themselves a little bit more. They defended a lot better. They were braver at times, making tackles, getting up the pitch. So I don't know which Mother was going to turn up tomorrow night. I know Ross County will have a go and try and win the game. And then Regan Charles Cook, what, 13 goals is the, the outright top scorer in the league. I think he is. Joseph yeah. Hungbo on the other side. Entertainers, excitement. If those two players play, Mother will be in for a tough night. And, and generally, because I don't know what Mother were going to bring. I think a point Ross County would take a point there tomorrow night Motherwell haven't won in the league in 2022 I think their last league win was in December the 26th mm -hmm. against Livingston they desperately need a win they've got to try and use Sunday as the bounce but I think it'll finish a draw a draw what do you think John at Fur Park well Motherwell only won one in their last six but have had a couple of good draws drew against Rangers um, 
and drew against Aberdeen. So Motherwell, yeah, although they've only won one in six, couple of decent draws, but I'm going to go Ross County, Marky Mackay, scoring oh. goals for fun. I'm going to go on away win there. Oh, Ross County win that one. Okay, where are we going next? We are going to go to Tyne Castle. That looks a tasty game. Robbie Nielsen's hearts mm. against Jim Goodwin's Aberdeen. Craigs, what are you thinking? It's one of those fixtures you look at in the calendar and you're right, I think you lick your lips and think this is a traditional good Scottish fixture. Aberdeen will go in big numbers. Hearts will have a big crowd. You know, uh, Robbie was under a little bit of pressure, wasn't it? Not pressure, a little bit of focus is probably the word. Ahead of Saturday going to St Mirren, managed to get a win. But we spoke about it after. Craig Gordon back, Craig Hulkett back and uh, Liam Boyce back. Yeah. The real spine of the team. And there's, it's no surprise as a manager when you get your best players, your most experienced players, spine of your team in, everything else fits into place. I just think it's a, a step too far for Aberdeen. I know Jim Goodwin was trying to give David Bates and Declan Gallagher a little bit of support. They've given up some cheap goals. Mm-hmm. You know, Jim's still looking for his first win as Aberdeen manager. Oh, but he's only had two games. But the longer that goes, the more frustrated you become. Uh, Hearts well clear in third place. I think Hearts, it'll be a tight game, but I think Hearts live too much. Hearts for Craigs. John, what do you think, Tincastle? I think Hearts as well, but I'll tell you why without saying that. It could go either way because the form, the form here is. Aberdeen not one in six, drawn three, lost three. Hearts won only game in the last six, one game, and that was St Mirren at the weekend. So both teams clearly not not winning games. Aberdeen not one in six, Hearts won one in six, but I'm going to go for that home advantage at Tynecastle, so I'll go Hearts win. So a Jambo's victory for both of you, so you've both agreed in three and only one uh, difference okay we're going to get to the old firm final two big games top of the table let's go to McDermott Park first Craig St Johnston second bottom uh, in the league against Rangers mm. going for the title and second top do you know what the first 20 minutes half an hour at the weekend against Ross County St Johnston really impressed me I thought this is the team that Callum Davidson had last year the mentality of the players the shape the organisation but see the minute they conceded Mark to go 1-1 I thought they faltered a little bit. It spooked him a little bit. And once Ross County get the second goal, that was it done. So I think it'll be a, a Rangers win, Celtic win tomorrow night. Rangers win, the Celtic win. John, what are you going for Celtic? I'm, I'm going to go Rangers tomorrow night. I I, I, I always think Rangers are going to win and they're very strong. Uh, St. Johnson are struggling, second bottom. So I think Rangers will win and I think Celtic will win as well against uh, against St. Mirror. And they, they'll have to um, react to the weekend draw Celtic will be too strong for St Mirren and I think Rangers will win at St Johnson. Okay, so you've both gone for Celtic, you've both gone for Rangers, you've both gone for Hibs, you've both gone for Hearts, you've both gone for Livingston and Craig, you've gone for a draw at Fur Park and John, you've gone for Ross County to beat Motherwell tomorrow night. Listen, it's been the Go Radio Football Show. It's been great. What a two hours we've had in the company of John Hartson and Stephen Craig and Paul Curry should be back in the hot seat tomorrow night and he will be joined by Barry Ferguson and David Proven. Thanks for listening. Good night. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees, 
price. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. 